Amen. My name is Jonathan, lead pastor here at Getwell Church, and so glad to be with you as we worship together. I love the words of that song that we just sang together. What a friend we have in Jesus. I believe that the only thing that we underestimate more than the greatness and the holiness of God is just how passionately and relentlessly he loves us. Just reflect on that truth that God was not waiting for you and I to, to figure things out, to get our acts together, to become good boys and good girls. Instead, he stepped into our world and he is chasing us down relentlessly with his love and his grace and his mercy. And he is calling out to you and me that we would not just know about him, but that we would know him and know that we are known by him. And to that end, he has given us some gifts, but because our minds are so often twisted and we live in a twisted world, we've taken those gifts that God has given us that we can know him and be known by him. And we look at them as if they're these rules that God is enforcing on us and he's holding his thumb down on us. And the goal through this month is that we would reorient and reshape the way we think about these gifts that God has given us and realize that they are gifts and not some hoop to jump through. We started off when we started talking about God's word and how God's word is a gift. It is an, a love letter from a loving God, revealing his truth and his ways and his activity and his character to us. And we explore together how this book is not a dictionary or an index of problem solving when things happen in life, but it is something that's created to saturate our souls with the grace and the power, the mercy and the truth of God. And so we need to be able to come to this gift on an ongoing basis. Last week, we talked about the gift of community and how we need to be in relationship with other and other people. And I lifted up the struggle that I have. I don't know how people do life without the church. On this roller coaster ride that we're on, when things get hard, how do we do life without other people who know what love and mercy and grace and truth look like? To wrap their arms around us and walk with us. And we were challenged to move beyond just connecting with people and step into community because how many of us know you can be connected and still distant? And so we wanna work toward community and that takes investment and vulnerability and commitment. Next week, we're going to talk about serving and we're going to discover together how God has a plan and a purpose for your life and mine. And, and God's got great things that we get to be involved in the kingdom work of God for eternal things. And it's not a box to check or a task to do. You're not doing Get Well Church a favor. We are joining with the living eternal God to make an eternal impact. But today we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this gift of prayer. Prayer, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's one of those things that many of us, we want to have in our lives, but we struggle with it. 
Like all the other things that we try to implement in our lives, you know, we want to have healthy spending habits. We want to eat healthy. We want to have better relationships. We want to have better habits. And we give it a try for a season. But what happens in our lives is that the transformation begins under the surface where we cannot see it. And what do we do? We give up before we begin to see the change that's really happening. And so our encouragement with prayer, like all these other things, is to give Give a commitment to it over time. But the phrase that I hear so often, and honestly, the phrase that comes out of my own mouth when, it talk, when we're talking about prayer is, I just can't find the what? The time to pray. How do I find the time to pray? And what I ask myself and what I lift up to you is maybe a better question, and it's, do I really believe in prayer? Because if I really believed in prayer, then the question I ask would never be, how do I find time to pray? Because here's the reality with Jesus. If Jesus really is who he said he is, if he's really the son of God, the creator of all things, where all things are for him and made in him and by him and through him, and he is the redeemer and he's our only hope for salvation, there is no halfway. It is all or nothing. If I can really meet with the Lord of the universe and I can be changed and the heart of God can be moved, then why in the world would I ever ask the question, how do I find time to pray? Instead, everything else in my world will be oriented around prayer because I would believe in the truth and the power of it. So a couple of questions I want to wrestle with today. As we think, and we really do some honest soul searching, do I really believe in prayer? The two questions are why and how. Because that's what it comes down to, right? You know, why can I pray? Why should I pray? And if I should, then how do I pray? So let's take a look at those. Why can I pray? If God is holy, if God is perfect, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, how in the world can I, a broken, messed-up person, Come into the presence of a holy God and talk to him and listen to him. Well, really, if you look back through the Old Testament, as God began to reveal himself to his people who were very much broken, very much messed up, very much sinful, just like you and I. And he invited those people to know him and be known by him. He invited them to talk to him. He invited them to listen to him. He even said, I will be with you. And his presence showed up with them. And that was a pattern throughout history as God was revealing himself to his people. And my question is, if God could do it for them, how much more so than can he do it for us? Why? Because he has sent his son Jesus to do what you and I can't do. He sent his son Jesus to deal once and for all with the problem of sin that we have no more barrier or boundary between us and a God who loves us. And look at what happened in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus gave his life up on the cross. Matthew 27, verse 51. So Jesus has just given up his life. He's breathed his final breath on the cross. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook. The rocks split. Now what in the world is going on with this curtain? 
If you go back in your Bibles and you read in the book of Exodus, as the people leave the, the land of Egypt and they come into the wilderness and God gives them instructions through Moses and Aaron. He says, I want you to build a, a tent of meeting, a tabernacle. And in this tent of meeting in the Holy of Holies, I will descend in a cloud and my physical presence will be there with you. And in that tabernacle and later as Solomon built a temple and even after that one was destroyed and a second temple was built, there was a holy of holies where God promised to be present with the people and they told the people, do not come into the holy of holies because I'm present there and you cannot come into the holy presence of God and live. And so to protect the people, there was a three inch curtain that was 30 feet tall that separated the Holy of Holies where God was present from the people, except for one day, the Day of Atonement, when a priest was invited to come in to atone for the sins of the people through an offering. And here is Jesus gave up his life on the cross. Do not miss this. As Jesus did for you and me, what we could not do, what only God could do, as he took our sin and our brokenness and our death and he took it to the grave and he destroyed it forever and he rose from the dead that we could have eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. As he gave up his life as the final sacrifice, the curtain, this three-inch curtain was torn from top to bottom so that you and I would know there is no more boundary, no more barrier between us and the presence of God. We can come boldly to him. If God can invite the people in the midst of a curtain in the Holy of Holies to pray to him, how much more can you and I come to the God who's made a way? If we can pray and God's made a way, then the question is, well, why should I pray? Well, to say it simply is that we should pray because it changes us and it moves the heart of God. That God calls us and invites us to come and to talk to him and to listen to him, to know that God hears, God moves, and God heals, and God restores. He forgives and redeems. God says it this way through the prophet in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will what? What is God going to do? He says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Why should we pray? Because God hears, because God forgives, and God heals when we come to him in prayer. If we really believe this, then the, the desire, the burning desire within us is to begin to implement this to the fullest. I, I want all that God has for me. I want all that God wants to do through me and in me in prayer, but how do I do it? Right? Well, the foundation that we have to, to land on and start with is to understand that prayer is not about a formula, it's about a relationship. Now, we all kind of know that in the back of our mind, but do we really live it out? Do we really believe that prayer is not about a formula, it's about a relationship? Because what a lot of us do is we wrestle with and we stumble on and, and we focus on, well, what are the words that I'm supposed to pray and, and when do I pray and what is it supposed to look like? And, and we run through our mind and we, we try to go to classes and you know, teach me the right way to pray. But here's the thing, is that nobody runs all that stuff through their mind 
when they're focused on a relationship. We run all that stuff through our mind when we're trying to get somebody to do what we want them to do. Right? When do we run the conversation through our mind? It's when we're going to go talk to somebody and we're about to try to convince them to do what we want them to do. And a lot of us, we're approaching God, not because we want a relationship, but because we want God to do what we want God to do. And so we're trying to figure out how do I say it the right way so that I can get God to do what I want God to do. But that is not what God has invited us into. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There are these religious leaders who love to be seen on the street corners in the synagogues, and they would chant these prayers, saying these flowery words over and over and over again. And they had two motivations. Number one is that they wanted people to see and be impressed. And number two, they thought, you know, if I can say the right words in the right order with the right cadence, then I can get God to do what I want God to do. And Jesus said, that's not prayer. It's not about impressing others or, or manipulating God. It's about knowing God and being known by God and being connected and intimately knowing him and, and being in his presence. And so when you pray, go away by yourself and talk to God honestly and openly and listen to God and, and wrestle with the, this connection and this relationship with the Lord. And God will, will reward you with what you want and what you need, which is ultimately the power and the presence of God in your life. And Jesus didn't just teach this, he modeled it. If you read through the Gospels over and over and over again, it says Jesus went away by himself to pray. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Holy Land today and you go to the region of the Sea of Galilee on the western coast of Galilee, there are caves where most scholars believe that Jesus spent time in those caves meeting with the Lord. And even his public prayers were a, an extension. You could see that, that Jesus really knew the Father and was connected to him. He wasn't trying to say something the right way. It was just flowing out of this intimate relationship that he had. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into, this intimate knowing and being known, this connection, this community with the Father, this relationship with the Father that changes us and invites us into what God is doing. That when we pray, because we've been with the Lord, we can know that God hears and God answers, God forgives and God heals. So what does that look like for us? Well, there's lots of different ways that we can do this. As we focus on relationship, maybe you've tried some of the different models of prayer. If we just walk through a couple of them, one of them you may have tried is the ACTS prayer, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, where we start with praising God, Lord, you are God and I am not, and I adore you and I praise you and I celebrate you and I confess my sin and my rejection and my pride and all the mess and all the sin. And Lord, I need your forgiveness. And God, thank you for the ways that you show up. And Lord, here are my needs, this supplication that I lift to you for my life and the life of others. 
Maybe that's something you've tried. Maybe you've tried the, the model of the Lord's Prayer. And you walk through that, that Jesus was not giving us a formula. He was giving us a mindset of how to come to the Lord in prayer. That, Lord, hallowed be your name, meaning, Lord, I praise you for who you are. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Lord, I submit to you in all things. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I have needs and you know about them, but let me tell you, God, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I need. Here's what I'm hurting. Here's where I need you to show up in my life. And God, forgive me and help me to forgive others that I can be restored to you and restored in relationship here. And God, lead me not into temptation. Lord, I need your guidance, but what? Deliver me. God, there's an evil one lurking and we live in a broken world and I've got broken desires and I need to be delivered and set free. And maybe that's a model that you've worked for, worked through. Uh, another model that we have, scripture, to pray through God's word. You know, if you're struggling to find the words to pray to God, what better words than God's words? You know, so we can read scripture and literally pray that back to God. Now think about Psalm 139. What a beautiful chapter of God's word to pray through. We can just walk through it. Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, when, you, when I uh, stand, you look, perceive my thoughts. Uh, Lord, where can I go to be separated from your presence? And we can say, Lord, God, you know everything about me. So let's just get real. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking, Lord. Here's what I'm feeling. You already know. And, and so let's just get it out in the open and let's deal with it. God, where can I go from your presence? You are everywhere. And right now, God, I don't feel it. And so would you help me to see it and know that you're with me? God, help me to be aware of it. Lord, what about these amazing thoughts that you have about me? God, I can't even imagine your thoughts are so much higher than mine. You have made me in my mother's womb. God, your thoughts about me are so precious. Forgive me, God, of my pride, where I try to puff myself up, and my insecurity, where I believe less than who you've created me to be. Help me to find my worth and value in you. God, help me to hear your voice and your truth. Or those powerful verses at the end of that chapter, verse 23 and 24, where the psalmist writes, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I don't even know all the junk up in here. I need you to show me what I'm missing. God, where do I need to see my brokenness and, and where I don't yet have your truth fully living in my life? Would you open it up to me, God, and help me to understand and lead me? And we just pray those words back to God. If that, that's something that you want to embrace, you want to give it a shot. Maybe you've never tried that, you're not really sure what it looks like. Uh, we believe so much in it. We wanted to give you a tool today. Uh, there's a book uh, by Donald Whitney called Praying the Bible. A very short, easy to read little manual of how do you pray scripture? Uh, how do you make it a regular part of your life? And we want you to have this. So we're giving this away free. Uh, we've got several copies. If you're in the room, at the back of the room on that table, when you head out, make sure you grab one of these books so that you can wrestle with and uh, grow in praying Scripture. Uh, maybe another model you've tried is to journal praying. You know, I, I, I'm not really great at journaling, but a lot of you love to journal. And why do we journal? We journal to get our thoughts out, 
right? And a lot of us, are, what we're really pursuing when we journal is we think that there's some kind of inner truth. Like I'm going to find my true self and, and you just got to follow your heart. And so we try to get, no, no, our, our heart is deceitful. We are put the words on paper so that we can give it to God and say, Lord, I want to swap this for your truth. God, I don't want to find a true self. I want to find you in me and in who you've created me to be. And Lord, I'm, I'm going to put these words as my thoughts flow and I'm offering it to you. And would you speak back to me, God? And so we can journal prayer and have this conversation with him. And the wonderful thing about that is you can go back in seasons to come and see what you prayed and how God moved and how God answered and how God was moving even before you put those words to paper. Or maybe a model that you use, this is probably my favorite, is what Paul calls unceasing prayer. Maybe you got an ADD brain like me and, and you sit down to pray and five minutes in you're like, where am I? What are we talking about? What happened? And so you just kind of have an ongoing conversation from the moment you wake up to the moment you put your head back on the pillow at night and you're just talking to God and you're listening to God and you're aware of God and, and you're bringing things to the Lord all day and all throughout the day. And sometimes it's silent and sometimes it's verbal. You know, I love to talk to God while I'm walking or go from one place to another and just keep this conversation going. Uh, maybe it's one of those models. Maybe it's another model of prayer that you use as you try to embrace a relationship with God. I'm not so much concerned about what model you use as some of the truths that are running throughout all of these models. And so what I wanna do in the time we have today is just briefly walk through seven truths that are true and a foundation for all of those models of prayer are true for any biblical model of how we embrace God in relationship through prayer. So we're gonna do something a little different. Uh, usually I like to land in one passage of scripture and kind of dwell in that and wrestle with that. But really what I wanna do today is I wanna give you just kind of a, an overview of what God's word has to say about the truth of how we embrace God in prayer. So I'm gonna go quickly, write these scriptures down, go back and reflect on them this week. All right, seven truths about prayer. Number one is that we look for guidance. Look for guidance, Proverbs 3, five through six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Please hear this, lean not on your own understanding. I, I need to lean into that, Jonathan, lean not into your own understanding because sometimes my own understanding can get me in a really messed up place. You know, and everybody in the world around us, follow your heart. Well, guess what? What if my heart is leading me down the wrong road? Because the reality is, is that feelings don't always equal truth. Yeah, feelings are your feelings. You need to wrestle with them and acknowledge them, but they're not always true. And sometimes we need to measure our feelings and our heart up against God's ways. And we need God to lead us and guide us. And so that needs to be an ongoing part of your prayer. Lord, guide me. And it may be in that moment of decision or choice, like the choice is right there in front of you. Lord, I got to make a choice in the next 30 minutes. God, I, I got to make a decision on taking this job or not, or moving to this place or not, or saying yes or no to this or not in the next day, the next week, the next month. And I don't know what to do. God, lead me. Help me. 
Or, or maybe it's not, the moment is right there. Maybe what we do is we're praying in what I call ordinary time, where it's not a moment of decision that is right there, but it's, God, I need you to shape my thinking and my feeling and my will, because I know the decision will come. And when it comes, I want the gap between your heart and mine to be more narrow than it is today. I don't want to have to make a big leap between what I want and what you want. And so God, lead me into your ways. And really what we're pursuing is not the outcome, it's the connection, it's the heart of God. Because here's a truth that I know. I've experienced it in life and in ministry and in just relationship with the Lord, is that you can make a right decision with a heart of pride and God will humble you. And you can make a wrong decision with a heart of faithfulness and God will redeem you. What we're pursuing is the heart of the Lord, the heart of God. Lead me, guide me to you. Look for guidance. A second truth for us is we pray about everything. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, Paul is saying, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. And it really comes down to two areas of life. It's praise and petition. That we thank God and praise God for who he is and what he does. Let me ask you a question. What if everything that you ceased to thank God for were taken away? What would you have left? And so we thank God for all the good things he's doing and, and the good person, the good character that he is and the way he loves us and works in our lives. We thank him and praise him. And then we lift up petition. God, here are the needs in my life and here are the needs of the people around me. When's the last time you earnestly prayed, not for you, but for somebody else? As if it was happening in your life. We pray about everything and anything. If it's on your heart, it matters to God. A third truth, pray in specifics. James chapter four, verse two through three, you do not have, why? Because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You don't have because you don't ask God. Now, some of us can be like, no, I, I pray every day. I pray all the time. But I wonder for how many of us, our prayers, if you're anything like me, our prayers are so general, I couldn't tell you whether God said yes, no, or wait. You know, God be with me, God bless me, God lead, how do I know? Like when's the last time we got real and dirty with God and say, Lord, here's what's going on in my life. Here's a financial problem and a dollar amount. Here's a relationship problem and how we got here. God, here's what I'm struggling with. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm afraid. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. God, and here's the root of it. I need you to move. God, here's a health problem. Here's what the doctor is saying. And God, we need this to happen by this time. Lord, I need you to move in my world because I can't make it happen. And we lean into him with the specifics of our world because we really believe that God is going to move. And we'll find that God either answers yes or he's got something better. Pray with specifics. Another truth for us is to remember what you pray. 
The psalmist in Psalm 143, verse 5 says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is, Lord, I remember when I was broken and hurting and lost and in trouble and I cried out to you, Lord, and you stepped in and you moved. I remember that. And because I remember of your faithfulness, then I can keep moving forward. A truth that I lifted up time and time again is if you want to know what God's going to do, the best indicator of God's future faithfulness is his past provision. Remember what we pray. Write it down. Come back to it. Remember how you've called out to God so that you can remember how God moved and you can thank him and you can praise him and have faith moving forward. Remember what we pray. Another truth is pray with faith. I want to move forward trusting and believing. James chapter 1 verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe. And not doubt because of the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Here, here's where I struggle with this. Deep in my heart, I know what Jesus did for me. I know that God so loved me that he sent Jesus into the world to do for me what I could not do, to deal with my sin and my death. And he took it to the grave. He died for me. He rose from the dead so that I could be set free from brokenness and sin and fear and all the things that separate from me from God. I know that deep in my heart. And I know that Jesus is my only hope. But at the same time, I tend to come to God and be like, you know what, God, like, I know you did all that for me. But you know this problem right here? I got it. Like, I'm good. I'll let you know when I need you, God. And it's if, you know what, I don't really believe that God either cares enough or is able to step into that. We cannot treat prayer as a last resort. It is everything. I think about the, the disciples and their conversation with Jesus as things started to get real and people began to leave and Jesus turned to his disciples and he looks at him and be like, so are you gonna leave me too? And Peter, who often thought, said something first and then thought later, spoke a moment of truth. He said, Jesus, where else are we gonna go? We don't have a clue what you're doing. But where else are we going to go? That's the heart of prayer. God, I don't know what you're doing. But where else am I going to go? You are my everything. You are it. Let prayer be our it. God, you are my only way. And here's what faith looks like. Here's the indicator of faith. Is that when we pray, it comes along with expectation and anticipation. I'm expecting God, you to move. I'm anticipating. In fact, I'm excited about it. I love this plan. I'm in on this plan. God, let's do this together. I don't know what you're gonna do, but it's gonna be great because you are God and you are faithful and you are good. And I know you're gonna show up and answer and I'm anticipating it because I believe. Or are we praying and be like, well, I'm not really sure, but here we go. And if that's where we are, you know, God is good and faithful and our prayer can be, Lord, give me faith. Help me to trust you, God. I'm lacking in faith right now. I believe, so help my unbelief, Lord. And he is good and faithful and he will fill us with faith in him that we can pray with faith.
Another truth for us. Talk to God and listen to God. Talk to him, listen to him. Jesus said this in John 10. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they what? They know his voice. Yeah, we got to talk to God, but we also got to spend some time listening. There's a great partnership that we can all embrace. God's word, prayer, and silence before him. They are meant to go together. And my hope and my prayer is that we will know the voice of our Father. That we can discern it between God's voice and our own voice, between God's voice and the world, and that commercial we just saw, or the neighbor that we were talking to, that we can discern God's voice from the, the whispers and the lies of the evil one. And it only comes as we spend time over time with him, listening. And then finally for us, Every prayer has to have this element where we respond when God answers. First Samuel 3, as Samuel comes to God, it says, The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak for your servant is listening. In other words, what Samuel was saying is, God, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm ready. You bring the word, you bring the direction, you bring the instruction, you bring it, Lord, and I'm gonna respond. I'm ready. Whatever you call, I'm here and I'm going with you because whatever you do is better than anything I have to offer. I'm ready to respond. And so we come to the Lord and as we speak and as we listen, our heart says, I'm ready to respond uh, with praise and thanksgiving. God, I celebrate you with submission. God, whatever you say is what we're going to do. And Lord, I repent. Forgive me. Change my direction. See, all of these truths, whatever your model of prayer, these are all things that God is inviting us into. And here's the key, is that we don't just know about God, but we know Him and we're known by Him. Let me share a quick little story with you. I didn't share this with the first service, but the Lord kind of put it on my heart. And I think it drives it home. So I heard the story, read it, one of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, sharing the story where there was a, a gentleman who was trying to figure out what prayer is all about. How do I pray? What does it look like? Kind of called in that same thing that we do. Like, you know, I really want God to do what I want God to do. So how do I say what I need to say so God will do what I want God to do, right? And, and we forget that it's not about getting God to do what I want God to do. It's about relationship. So he called his priest and he's like, all right, I, I am struggling. I cannot figure this prayer thing out. Tell me what to do. And the priest was like, oh, I've got you. Like, we, I've got all these books. And so like, he's like pulling out all this German and Latin and like giving him these like, this, everything you need to know about prayers in these books. After a couple of weeks, the guy brought the books back and he's like, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I, I, after the second page and I had to look up the seventh word because I didn't know what it means, I, I just gave up. Several months went by and he's talking to a friend and he just happened to mention, you know, like, do you ever pray? Like, I, I've been struggling with prayer. And the friend said, you know, prayer's just really simple. It's just a conversation you have with God. So here's what you do. You sit down and you, you take a chair and you put it in front of you and you leave it empty and you just envision the Lord sitting there in the chair and you have a conversation with God. 
as if he's right there in the room with you because he is right there in the room with you. And the guy thought, oh yeah, okay, I can do that. So time went by uh, and, and the man got a, a, he got sick and it was looking at the end of his life and his daughter called Brennan Manning at that point and said, Brennan, I know you don't know my dad, but, but he's very sick. He's at the end of life. Would you come and just pray with him and meet with him? He said, sure, I'll do that. So he went by and he stopped and he knocked on the door. They let him in and he goes back to the guy's bedroom and there was two chairs. And the guy said, or Brennan came to him and said, oh, I guess you were, you were ready for company. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I just assumed you got the chairs here by your bed that you, were, you knew I was coming and ready for company. And he's like, no, sit down. You're gonna think I'm crazy, but just stick with me. And he shared with him the story of his conversation with the priest, his conversation with his friend. And he said, ever since that day, every single day, I've put an empty chair next to me and I just talk to God as if he's there. And Brennan said to him, that's the most beautiful explanation, true explanation of prayer I've ever heard. You should keep doing that. And they had a wonderful conversation. They prayed together. Brennan went on home, wasn't really thinking much about it. He got a call the next day from the guy's daughter. And she said, I don't know what you did, but you really put my dad at peace. Uh, he went to be with the Lord last night. But Brennan, it's the craziest thing. When I went into his room and I saw that he had passed, he had crawled out of his bed and he was on his hands and knees and he passed away with his head laying in an empty chair. That's all the prayer is. Take away all the fluff, all the ritual, all the stuff that we try to fill in and just be with God. He's not disappointed. He's not waiting on you for you to figure it out. He just wants you to come to him. Would we come to him? I'm gonna ask you two questions. Number one, do you pray in such a way that it leaves an impact, an impact on you, an impact on others, an impact on the world? Do you believe in prayer so much that you pray dangerous prayers that will change the world? And number two, do your prayers impact eternity? Or is everything you pray about, just make me comfortable now? Do we pray about eternal things? Let's be a people who believe in prayer. Let's put it to the test. And really it comes down to this, this one thing. It's the big ask. We're gonna ask every week of this series, would you give it a try? Not for a day or a week or a month or six months. What are we asking? How long? One year. Would you dive into prayer for one year? Because here's what I know is that you miss a day and that day becomes two days. And you miss two days and that becomes a week. And then you miss a week and that becomes a month and then you've lost it, right? So let's commit to it. Create a space in your home. Put up a whiteboard, a, a, a cork board, a, a, put a bean bag or a chair or something out where you know this is where I go when we're ready to get it together that I'm meeting with the Lord and we're doing battle together and I'm listening and I'm talking and something's happening for eternity and we're I'm committed to this 
Create a space, create a habit, a time of day, uh, whatever you, the thing that you do. And then bring somebody in on it, whether it's to, to hold you accountable or maybe you meet once a week to pray because you know, man, I've, I've got to be committed because on Friday I'm going to see them and they're going to ask me what I've been praying about and then we're going to lift it up together. We are made to do this together. What, what does scripture say? We talked about it last week. Where two or more are gathered in my name, the Lord says, there I am with them. And so we gather together. And then here's, I think, the final piece for us. If we really want to make this a part of our daily lives, we're going to give it a try for a year. Let's not be the Christians where our only prayer with other people is when they say something, we say, I'll pray about that. And then that's our prayer. And what I want to encourage you to do is to stop right there in that moment, whether you're out one of these hallways or you're at work or you're on the phone or wherever you are, pray right then. Because momentum will build as you begin to experience the power of prayer and what God does in it to change you and change others and move in the world. Because you commit to it in the moment, you'll begin to get excited about what God's doing and it's going to take hold of you. Let's give it a try for one year. So if you'll stand, I'm gonna pray about our attempt to pray. <laughs> I'm gonna pray that the Lord will move in our hearts, that the God will show us what he's doing, lead us to, to how to pray, what he wants from us and what he wants for us. I'm gonna pray that if you're here today watching online and you need to make that leap from knowing about God to knowing him, to know that he's not disappointed. He's not waiting. He is pursuing you. I'm gonna pray that today could be that day and that the spirit will stir in our hearts for whatever we need to know that God wants us to know. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your truth that you reveal to us. Thank you for the way that you invite us into you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of prayer that Jesus has made a way. God, when we don't know how to pray, would you, Holy Spirit, would you pray for us? God, when we don't know the right direction, would you lead us? God, when we're stuck, would you pull us up? And would you let us know how deeply you love us, Lord? Invite us into deeper levels and greater levels and more dangerous levels of prayer that we can make eternal impact for this world. For your glory, God. We pray right now for those in our lives, God, who are physically sick, emotionally unwell, who have a relational brokenness, whose finances are a mess, who have a decision to make and they don't know what to do. Holy Spirit, you know those circumstances and we pray by the power of Jesus and his name that you're working and you're moving right now. That there be healing in this place restoration and redemption and new hope and a new direction right now as even as we speak by the power of your Holy Spirit Lord come and do what only you can do and we pray this in Jesus name and the power of your Holy Spirit amen